Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, uh, yes, here we are at the lovely Hop Grenade in downtown Concord, California. No it more. is indescribable. No no longer in uh, Martinez. I think it's uh, literally indescribable for Palmer. He's never been here. Right. <laughs> when you're missing true. out, yeah, his flight, uh, his plane got uh, grounded. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was a landing gear light, that wouldn't, a warning light that wouldn't go out. So they right. had to stop and... You didn't go up and, like, tap on it for him? Go, there you go. I, I, you know, I tried to run out on the tarmac and, you know, access right. the plane, but they grabbed me and tackled me and so on. I was so... All right. So I was on a flight in uh, Honduras going to Roatan back in, like, 1990 or something like that. Hmm. And uh, we're sitting in the uh, Britain Island Normander. And uh, I'm sitting there with my luggage on my lap, and uh, my wife's sitting in the front, in the co-pilot seat. They've jammed this thing full of everything uh, to, to make the jump over from Honduras to, to Rotan. And uh, we're sitting there on the, on the runway. Guys, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Pilot's looking out over at the tower, nothing's happening. He's like, <laughs> you know, looks, he's sitting there. He taps on his radio. <laughs> he just like bangs on it. Looks out the window. And he goes, huh? Just hits the accelerator, takes off. <laughs> He's like, yeah, whatever. Fuck it. I'm going. <laughs> I'm like, great, great. I'm, I'm glad no other plane was coming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I thought the tapping on the radio, this digital radio, I thought it was great. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Is this thing on? <laughs> right. And you see that in movies too. They be like some digital gauge and you know the the pilot, you know, there's some some issue and then he taps on this fuel gauge which is like you know, it's LCD <laughs> and he's like banging on the thing think, thinking he's going to get like different numbers or something. Yeah. Like the needle is stuck. I mean, what what kind of old old time timey stuff is that? Right. It's not like the Millennium Falcon where you got to weld something to make it go. Right. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of making welding and making things go, how about our fine sponsor, uh, Blickman Engineering, huh? Indeed, yes. If anybody could weld something and make it go, I would bet it is our good friend, John Blickman. That is true. Yep, he's uh, always always thinking of something new and thinking of a way to innovate. Right, whether it be your British Island Normander or uh, the Millennium Falcon, he, 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 he can do it. Uh, check it out. They got uh, a lot of good information on their website, BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two N's, uh, engineering with an E and a G, uh, and dot .com. And uh, check them out. They got lots of goodies there. Uh, if you if you go to the uh, Homebrewers Conference, they're always there and revealing new new goodies. They're opening the kimono there every time uh, every time <laughs> they're there. Uh, well, at least John is. You know, you catch him alone in his. His uh, hotel room. Open or, or downstairs at breakfast. All right, John, close your kimono. Jesus Christ, there's children around here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, that didn't happen. No. Ah, in my dreams. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, but check them out. Uh, fine sponsors. They're paying for the show, so you don't have to. So uh, make sure you you send them a kind word if you can, and check their uh, their website out. Uh, this show. We decided that we were actually going to taste somebody's beer. A little different today, yeah. Yeah. We were thinking, uh, you know, we, we talk about all this uh, 
our, our good friend uh, Eddie Bausch was uh, he was uh, wondering about attenuation in his beers. He's like, you know, this one's working out, this one's not. I expected this kind of attenuation. And normally, what we do from a question like that is we'd say we just do a show on attenuation and we we talk about it. All the different factors, uh, factors could. and theories, and all that stuff. In this, instead, what we're gonna and we probably have already done a show on attenuation. I'm sure we have. Yeah, all right. Done a show on just about everything at this point. Uh, instead, what we're gonna do is taste the beers. And this is uh, why it's a real shame that your your flight True, was canceled. Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to taste the beer. Scott's going to taste the beers, and then uh, we are going to talk about you know the possible reasons for you know a lack of attenuation, over attenuation, what what might be. And Eddie was good enough to also send us his uh, recipes, so. Well, we'll check all that out. And I, I think what makes this uh, maybe not unique, but uh, worthy of an entire show, is that I believe he's having this problem across all his beers. And let's punch him up here. Ah. Correct me, is that wrong, Eddie? Or are you uh, all beers or just some? You know, that's pretty much on target. All of my beers finish a few points higher than I'd like them to. Interesting. Okay. So describe your process real quick, so we can know what you're doing. Okay. Spring. I have an electric. <laughs> Right. That's what it's all about, isn't it? So, anyhow, I've got an electric Herms um, that's got, like, computer temperature control and, and all that, so it's not me sitting there with a the thermometer. Um, it's a three-kegel system. I have a chest freezer uh, that I use as a fermentation chamber that's got a temperature controller on it. Um, the probe... What I used to do is I used to just let the probe dangle in about the middle of the freezer. Uh, since then, well, more recently, I've started taping the probe to the side of the carboy um, with some insulation on the, the outside of it to try and keep a more accurate temperature on the, the temperature of my beer, not the temperature of the fridge that it's in. Um, I use yeast nutrient. Usually it's Y-yeast nutrient. Uh, most of my batches are 10-gallon batches, and I also oxygenate. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to get a, a medical oxygen with the, the flow meter on it, uh, but I do have a welding tank um, that's got a, a regulator on it, so I'm not really sure how many liters a minute I'm pushing into the beer, but I'm sending it uh, through a standard stone usually for about two minutes per 5-gallon carboy. Okay, and does that, and does this that is, cover what I need to cover, or uh, you know, it's all meaningless at this point uh, because okay. uh, because really uh, we need to taste the beers, and then and then that'll give us an idea. Uh, you know, uh, my my question would be, um, where do you think the issue is? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, in preparation for this show, I started going through a lot of my recipes and doing, getting the apparent attenuation on them and comparing it to what it's supposed to be and comparing it to the uh, recipes, and I, I harvest my re- yeast and I reuse it, mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm almost sure I've been overpitching by quite a bit, and mm-hmm. after uh, reading through the yeast book and, and doing some more research on that and having a better understanding, mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of my problems are coming through, because mm-hmm. it seems every time I repitch, they get a little bit worse. Uh, and what my process was is I'd take a half-gallon growler, um, and I'd collect the yeast from a five-gallon batch, Mm-hmm. Uh, in that half-gallon growler. And I'd usually have about an inch to an inch and a half of yeast on the bottom of it once it once it all settled out. And I'd pitch that into my next 10-gallon batch. Mm-hmm. Mm. That is, I mean, you know, it's very hard to say for sure, but that may not be over-pitching. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be the way that um, you're harvesting. I mean, you could be selecting... Um, the earlier yeast each time, the one that drops out first, and uh, you know your other parts of your process could be resulting in some dusty yeast early on, and then you're selecting. Um, you know, if you notice more cloudy beer early, and it's taking longer to clear, and later on the beers don't have that cloudiness later on, then you could be selecting for the most attenuative yeast, and they, or the most uh, flocculent yeast, and they could be less attenuative. That's a possibility as well. Uh, if you do overpitch, 
you know, too much uh, yeast, the fermentation can run, you know, pretty quick, and then it really doesn't finish up. It, you know, it ends up, uh, you know, too much competition, and, and the yeast just kind of drop out, and you end up with, uh, but usually that's accompanied with other flavors, green apple flavors, things like that. Um, that's why it's important to, t- to taste the beer. But I, I was curious, and I, I really have been, I was taking notes while you were, Describing your process and going through the uh, uh, your your description where you thought the problem was, but I've always find it interesting where people feel the problem could be, because um, sometimes uh, you know it's it's got nothing to do with what could possibly be the problem. But I, I think you know you, you might be onto something. Um, my other question would be. Um, What recipes are you referring to? Where are these recipes coming from? Uh, you say, you know, it's not matching the attenuation. Um, are these recipes that uh, you're getting from a, a ultra reliable source, like Brewing Classic I, Styles? I think I think they are. <laughs> I really think they are, Jamil. I got them from a book called Brewing Classic Styles. Uh, oh, damn, you got to throw that, that in my face. That right, right there has has improved my brewing quite a bit because it's okay. like you said, it's a reliable source right. of. Uh, Good recipes, you know, garbage in, garbage out, and at least if I'm starting with something good, I got a better chance of it coming right. out the other side. Uh, and 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 that's one of the reasons I think you know, Bring Classic Styles is actually a decent book, is because it's you know one brewer set of data, you know, or it's a consistent thing, and you know that you know it should it should work out well, and if it's not, then there's there's some other issue. Um, and then you know, finally, what. Besides the numbers, makes you feel that they are not attenuating enough. Does do you taste this? I don't know if if it's a taste issue, but when I compare my homebrew to commercial beers, mm-hmm. I think the commercial beers are are more drinkable. I seem to get a little less aftertaste out of them, mm-hmm. and they tend to have a lighter body and maybe a little bit thinner mouthfeel. And once upon a time, I thought that made my beer better than theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really don't feel that way anymore. I think uh, if I could just knock a few more points off, uh, I think I'd be happier with my product. Interesting. Okay. Very good. Let's do this. Let's take a short break, um, or maybe a long break. I don't know. I want to get the beers poured if we could, and then uh, I want to taste them. And that'll that'll give uh, at least Scott and I a lot more information on uh what the, the potential issue could be. Is Mike Mraz still around? No, he has gone to see the uh, drag races. Ah, okay. He would have been son. useful to have studio in my absence, yes. <laughs> By the way, the uh, the drag races is a restaurant in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I figured that was some Northern California thing. A euphemism for something else, yes. Uh, All I right. See. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll be tasting some of Eddie's beers and talking more with him about attenuation right after this. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzenstein. Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My daughter, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha acid. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power. Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Blickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy don't be silly, J.P. We have beer to brew. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, More Beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. 
Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're uh, checking out uh, some of Eddie's beers here. We've got uh, a stout, a dry stout, a pilsner, a brown uh, an American Pale Ale and a Flanders Red, so quite a, a range of beers. Um, which one, Eddie, finished the highest? The one that you think is failed to attenuate uh, the worst? The stout. Stout. And in your notes, I saw some uh, concerns about. Um, this is the one you thought was off, but you used the the classic uh, seventy twenty ten, right? I don't see the recipe for the stout. Is uh, Scott? Did you send that or? It's a note. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yes. Now I see. That, it. But I, I sent stuff in an email. Yeah, I see it now. I'm uh, I'm breathing into the mic, John. Can you can you at least get some aroma there? Yeah, no, not really. It's uh, pretty weak. Um, boy, um, I I'd be surprised if the the final gravity on this was ten sixteen right now. You think it's higher than that? Do we have a hydrometer and a degas sample to uh, take a gravity reading? I think it's less. It's lower. Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't seem like a floor, four Play-Doh beer to me. Does it taste dry to you, Jamil? Very dry. Okay. Uh, highly carbonated, too. Okay. So it may have attenuated more in the bottle. Because hmm. this is quite gassy. Well, does it have any of that gusser um, infection kind of taste? You know, nope. wild yeast taste? Nope. Okay. Um, it's on 8 PSI in my kegerator. 
At what temperature? Oh, I keep it pretty cold right now. Um, it's probably at about 34, 35 degrees. Yeah, that that should be still about right. It's higher gas than that. It's it seems, um, boy, uh, I, I shook some out of it, but it seemed like it could be close to three volumes. I wonder if it did not attenuate further in the bottle. How long have these been in the bottle? Well, I I keg and they've been in the bottle for maybe a week. Okay. Are you Eddie? Are you relying more on uh, your equipment or, or, or your hygro? Like, are you? I'm hearing Jim Mill say, "Trust your taste buds a lot." Yeah. You know, sometimes your your stuff is inaccurate, uh, but your taste buds will. You know, you might be trusting your hygrometer over your taste buds, mm-hmm. and I don't know. Yeah, are, you, are you doing that? My hygrometer is what's really causing me the concern. Um, and you've I checked just, it, right? I think that yeah, I did, and it, it was showing one point high in, in room temperature mm-hmm. tap water. And you eliminate that and say, okay, so my reading's one point lower than what I see. I think this is a really good stout. This is really enjoyable. It's oh, dry, you. and uh, I mean, it's it's pretty pretty light body, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Other than, I mean, it, it, but does it seem quite carbonated? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, perfect. Like, more carbonation than you would expect. Yeah, dry absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I wonder if that one did. Uh, if maybe I put it in the keg before it was quite done or something, um, and then it was en route right. to you guys, it would have warmed up some. How long did you keep it in the carboy before transferring to the keg, chilling and transferring to the keg? I mean, how long do you keep it at fermentation temperature? Yeah, let's go through your fermentation profile. Okay. I like to start out kind of kind of low, around 63, 64 degrees uh, when I pitch the yeast. Um, I t- typically keep my chamber set at 65 degrees until I see a Krausen form. Uh, once that happens, I usually kick it up a, a few more degrees, and, and then I, I try and have it finish around 70, 72 degrees by the time it all peters out. And I typically brew every ten to twelve days. Mm-hmm. And you so leave that's it at about how long during the carboy. So you leave it at seventy to seventy-two for ten to twelve days. Uh, I mean, at the end. No, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I well, say I that. mean, I'd... you you start out at the end. It's been a total of ten to twelve days, and it's probably been three or four days up at seventy degrees. Right. Yeah. Boy, yeah, I would think that's, you know, more than adequate. Um, you know, generally, yeah, I, I would, you know, things are done fermenting in five days, and I'd leave them in, you know, seven to ten days, and just, you know, it would be whenever it was convenient for my next thing. Uh, that's which, kind of the way I am. Yeah, it kind of allows it to clean up, and a little, you know, if there's any more attenuation to be had, you know, that's when it that's when it's had. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. And then you mentioned kind of a soapiness on this one? Yeah. I, I think it's probably from the roasted grains. I used mm-hmm. a, a mix of roasted grains. Uh, about half of it was roasted barley, and then the, the other half was a um, couple of different brands of chocolate malt and just a pinch of black patent. Right. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it, it's that, and, uh, you know, the flake barley kind of can add, uh, you know, a certain character to it as well. Um yeah, I, I don't really, uh, I don't think that anything's really off in that one. Um, hmm. So you don't get any soapy character in that one, Jamil? Not really. I mean, there's kind of a, you know, it's that character from the from the chocolate malts and from the uh, from the flake barley. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very common flavor for profile in dry stout. What, what's your brewing yeah. water like? You know, that's I'm reading this other book called Water right now, so that's that's something that I'm tackling right now. Um, I'm low on calcium. I'm about 23 parts per million calcium. Um, my water has a very high pH. Uh, when I check it, it's usually between nine and nine point three. Um, the hardness is seventy one. Is CaCO three? Yeah, um, which is low, but yeah. 
Okay. What do you know anything about the alkalinity? Uh, hold on. You know what? Now, I had my water report in your book. Here it is. Alkalinity is. You know what? I told you backward. My alkalinity is CaCO three is seventy one. My hardness is one forty four. Hmm. Okay. Not bad. So you probably got about 40 calcium, 15 uh, magnesium, and 70 alkalinity. So that's, yeah, all things considered, that's pretty soft. Okay. Jamil is uh, busy uh, tasting through the flight here. Okay. I tell you, all of these seem quite carbonated to me, except yeah. for the Flanders. Were you expecting, you were expecting them to not be? Well, um... Yeah, he's forced carbonating them, so uh, it could be anything, but based yeah, the Flanders on, I thought was fine. I just, I yeah. thought, uh, I thought you guys just might like the sour, and Justin's a big fan of them. Yeah, based on the, what you're telling me on your carbonation, though, I would not expect this amount of carbonation in these beers. Now, the other now, beers, is the Flanders up around 10 PSI. Okay. Is the Flanders carbonated the same way? Yeah. Because the Flanders is much lower carbonation than these others. Yeah, it's really which, interesting. Which would make me think that it these hadn't attenuated out fully before they were shipped. And, you know, um, shaking them up and, you know, shipping them warm. That really, you know, especially as hot as it's been lately. Um yeah, I could, I could uh, you know, finish them out because they are, these are all like three volumes plus. I mean, the, the Flanders is down around what I, I would expect from like eight PSI. Well, the the Flanders, those are on 10. It's just, I, I, mm. I don't pressurize the stouts quite as much. I think they're a little creamier that way. I, I enjoy them not being quite so spritzy. It's got a lot of carbonation. Yeah, so I think they are fermenting more in the bottle than in. Right, right. So that would lead us to a fermentation issue, not a mash. Because one of the things I was thinking, initially you were talking about your uh, electric herm system and, uh, and, you know, the control of the temperatures and things like that. But, um, you know, that, uh, interestingly enough, uh, you know, we use RTDs on our fermenters at Heretic. And one day uh, Chris was like, hey, you know, why is this tank reading, you know, we're, we're knocking out, we're, you know, we use multiple temperature readings, and we're knocking out at one temperature, and the fermenter's reading a different temperature. He's, you know, which one do you trust? <laughs> which one seems correct to you? And I'm like, well, it seems, you know, I put my cheek against this. I'm like, well, it seems like that temperature, you know. And um, really what it was is, uh, you know, after a bit of messing around, it was just, you know, disconnecting the connection on the RTD and reconnecting it, and then there it was. It was fixed, you know. So it was maybe just a slight bit of oxidation or some resistance in that, you know, connection, uh, and then it was reading correct again. So, I mean, that that's always a possibility. The, the other possibility, if somebody's experiencing this, is, you know, where are you reading that, that mash temperature from? A lot of times people have one probe, and... You know, based on how they've set up their flow, like, uh, you know, initially their flow, uh, you know, in recirculating was uh, going into one uh, part of the mash tun, and it was reading correctly across their probe. And then, you know, they they changed some pieces of their setup, and then you know, the flow is going a little bit over here. And now, all of a sudden, it's somehow bypassing that, and, and their, their temperature is actually quite a bit higher uh, in their mash than it was before. And, and it's like, well, what happened to my beers? So, uh, you know, that's something for people to, to keep an eye on, too. You know, uh, when you're experiencing a problem like this, I would get a long uh, uh, probe uh, dial thermometer, calibrate it, and then use that to, to probe various parts of your mash and see what kind of temperatures you're getting in various spots around the mash because it's going to be different uh, all around. And, uh, you know, you're looking for the average, but, you know, also, you know, check right at your probe and, and see what you're getting there. So uh, that's always, especially on the homebrew scale, that's always a little bit little bit off. But I wouldn't think that that's the issue here. Um, 
you know, with with more carbonation in these than we are anticipating. So you think I'm just not giving them a chance to to finish out before I keg? I'll tell you what. First off, are you an AHA member? I should be. I'm a <gasps> member of my local beer club. Right. Get out of here, Eddie. You just lie, baby. You lie on the radio. <laughs> Absolutely, Jamil. Right. Right. Life- Radio. Lifetime member I'm, number I'm zero zero three. And I'd, rec- <laughs> I'd recommend anyone listening and join up so they don't have to go through what I'm suffering through <laughs> right you. now. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. No, the AHA, it's a great organization, American Homebrewers Association. Uh, you know, you sign up and you get uh, the Zymergy magazine. You get... Uh, uh, the HA conference, you know, the ability to sign up for the HA conference. You get the pub discount program. We offer pub discount program in Heretic, as a matter of fact. You offer one here at the Hop Grenade, Scott? Uh, I believe we are in this the process the radio of radio. Yeah, live. yes, uh, yes, right you are, Jamil. The problem is the public might call me out on it. Right, right, right. Well, you could offer it even though it's step not. Step up, step uh, up. There you go. And... Uh, and uh, you know it's it's a great bunch of people looking out for the interests of homebrewers uh, all over the place. So uh, if you get a chance, support them. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com, sign up for the the homebrewers association there. Uh, if you do, and you do it through the link on the the, the brewing network site, uh, a little slice goes back to the brewing network, helps support the programming, and uh, you get the great uh, association membership as well. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, I will tell Eddie. Um, what I think the problem could be. Back after this. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. This is Jamel Zanishat, and I want to tell you about Heretic Evil Twin. You might be familiar with my homebrew recipe, which uses massive late hopping to create a balance between the malty sweet and the hoppy bitter, along with an outrageous malt and hop character. I wanted a beer with the same bold hop and malt character, so we played around with the homebrew recipe until we were able to make a great commercial version, too. We've created a beer rich in malt character, full of caramel, toast, biscuit, and an ever-so-subtle roast note. On top of that, we piled in an insane amount of citra and Columbus hops at the end of the boil, as well as in dry hopping. This damn-the-cost approach to hopping gives Heretic's Evil Twin a great blast of citrus and tropical fruit that can't be matched by any other hop. The result is a bold, malty, hoppy, but easy-drinking beer. This is our top seller, our flagship beer, and I couldn't be prouder of it. Cheers. To find Heretic Beers near you, click on Find Some at hereticbrewing.com. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arpanet migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened to theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and Bruin brother Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit the store in Dublin, California and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Downtown Joe's, where everyone is welcome, especially if you like drinking and tasting beer. Head brewer Colin Kamensky's favorite beers are the Tantric IPA and the Double Secret Probation IPA. But you'll have loads of others to choose from when you redeem your exclusive Brewing Network savings. Downtown Joe's is the best brewery destination and the hottest night spot in Napa. Colin invites all homebrewers and fans of craft beer to stop by and enjoy the great food and beer. Whether you're in the mood for riverside dining, live music, or just hanging out at the bar to meet a person of the opposite sex or a person of the same sex, Downtown Joe's has exactly what you're looking for. And now just mention the Brewing Network to receive a dollar off your beer at Downtown Joe's. That's right, take a dollar off every one of their great selection of craft beers, including the Lazy Summer Wheat, Golden Thistle Porter, and the Triple Dog Dare You. Come to Downtown Joe's and enjoy the laid-back atmosphere of Napa's best brew pub. Visit downtownjoes.com right now for current beers, the live music schedule, or to drool over their delicious menu items. Downtown Joe's, your neighborhood brew pub where everyone is welcome. First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The 
First Amendment. Watch out! The 21st Amendment in San Francisco, located at 563 2nd Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring... Monk's Blood. Made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the 21A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of... Monk's Blood. The 21st Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Sakajit. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. New items include the Big Oxygen Kit for economical wart aeration using common welding oxygen tanks and the Unistat line of external thermostats for easy control of both electric heaters and refrigerators. In addition, They've just mashed their new oatmeal stout malt extract. So you can make those tasty winter oatmeal stouts and porters without mashing. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. I was trying. I was just trying to think of the. Um, the old Johnny Carson uh, skit, you know, where he holds the envelope up beside his head and Karnak. Uh, yeah, Karn, the great Karnak. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna do the uh, great Karnak for us on this on these beers for Eddie. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> um. <clears throat> all right. So a couple other things. Uh, one question here from the from the uh, from the studio. Uh, are you counter-pressure filling your bottles? No, I'm not. <gasps> I was wrong. I said, oh, wow. Eddie. I said, Eddie would, oh, Eddie's doing all the right stuff. He's, he's invested in his equipment. He'll, he'll counter-pressure fill his bottles, but he did not. Now, I'm, I'm capping on foam. Yeah, please. Look at this. Jamil had your back, Eddie, and you, you stabbed him right in the throat. Damn. <laughs> Shivved by Eddie in the studio. Sick. It's a sick world. So you're just like slapping a, you're just running it down the bottle or p- put a piece of tubing on there? Um, well, crawlers, I use tubing here. I I lower the, the pressure. I purge most of the pressure out of the keg and... Um, Run it down the side of the bottle and give it a couple of taps to bring some foam up, and I cap it right away. No. New bottles, please. Hmm? You know, everybody, everybody's like, "Oh, you know, Tasty doesn't bother." Yeah, Tasty would have won some awards if he bothered to frickin' bottle his beer correctly instead of just half-assing it into the bottle with a piece of tubing. It seems like a weird point in the process to half-ass it. You know, right, you go right. all out, all you the way, and then you screw up at the end. Working your ass <laughs> off, investing in all this stuff, and then you're just like, yeah, I'll just shoot this shit into the, the thing and cap it. Like if you built a world-class uh, race car, and then you right. uh, you put horrible tires on there. Like, what, what right, was right, the point right, of all that? Right, Or you just like pee in the gas tank. It's like, hey, here you go. That, that's got to be enough octane. Oh, come on, Eddie. Well, okay, so here's one. Here's a possibility: is uh, that uh, uh, you know the APA is uh, showing oxidation, and uh, one of the possible suggestions was that uh, you know you're introducing more oxygen to these beers as you're bottling them, and that may have assisted in kicking off more fermentation uh, mm-hmm. once the bottles were shipped. We are quite certain that the beers are now properly attenuated and that um, they attenuated the rest of the way in the bottle. 
because they are are very carbonated, and the Flanders is not. And the Flanders, you know, is fully Flanders attenuated. Right. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would suggest is you should uh, be doing a forced ferment test on all your beers until you, you figure this out. So well, on brew day, um, you know, take a, a, a Nalgene bottle with, you know, you can do it, you know, half full of, of the same wort. Um, you know, put enough yeast in there to be more than enough. Keep that thing warm from day one. Shake it, shake it, shake it, and keep it warm. And in a couple of days, it should fully ferment out. And uh, then check your, your attenuation on that. And that's the maximum attenuation you get. And if, if that uh, shows a certain number and you're not coming within a couple of points of that, then mm-hmm. you've got a problem. And uh, but you know if you if you come within a couple of points or you reach that, then well that's your you know the fermentability of the wort that you had. So that's okay. one thing that'll help. That'll- um, and then we're thinking you know that this has got to be related to your repitching process, which is essentially what you were saying earlier. So what what part of that do you think uh, I should change up? All right. So you're fermenting these beers out, and you're letting them, they sit 10 to 12 days total. That's right. Or do they reach 14 before you harvest the yeast? Most of the time, it's, it's going to be between 10 to 12 days. Okay. And Just then, with the way my work schedule works out, it's... That's where my off days fall. That's the only days I have time to brew. And then um, when you... uh, And they're they're reaching 70 to 72 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, And then what you're doing is you're you're racking the beer off. Is the beer clear at that point? Usually it's, it's... I mean, it clears up more in the keg, but it it I could see my hand on the other side of the carboy normally. I mean, provided it's not a stout or something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the yeast has dropped. I I think yeah yeah. Well, there's still you know a substantial amount of yeast at that point. Sure yeah. Um. Hmm. And you're saying it tends to get worse as you. Uh, it tends to get yeah, worse. The more, the more times, yeah, the more times I use re-pitch. the yeast, just uh, yeah, the more times I repitch. Okay. It seems that my my attenuation numbers keep getting lower and lower. Right. Or my finishing gravity is higher and higher. Um. And this is across a, a variety of yeast. Now, on the brown, what what yeast is that? That's an 007. Interesting. That one's phenolic. We're getting some Belgian characters in there. Though I wouldn't expect that from the 07. Well, how long, I mean, uh, Eddie, when you harvest the yeast, uh, what do you do with it? I Rubs it all over himself. I'm sorry? <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> we're, we're about to segue into adamandeve.com there. Go ahead. Right. Well, don't don't let me stop you. <laughs> but um, as, as far as the yeast go, I I put them in a half gallon carboy, uh, not half, half gallon a uh, growler rather, and I I set it on top of my keg grater because it's a, a nice constant cold. That's one of the reasons I keep my keg grater as cold as I do. Uh-huh. Um, and it it doesn't stay there for more than two weeks. Before ah, it's used so, again. Okay, and then so, do you do uh, any kind of starter before you pitch it to the next okay. batch? On when the yeast is new, I do. Um, but after after the, I figure I've got enough going in there that that no, I don't do a starter on subsequent batches. All right. Well, that, that, I I think we can we can solve this with um, a couple of changes to your process. Um, and I think I think uh, you know what I I do think um, that actually you're making uh, some very nice beer. 
I think that uh, you're actually quite a uh, a champ to uh, you know allow us to pick apart your beers here on the show and to send them all in and and do all this with us. So uh, I'm I'm you know quite fond of Eddie and uh, his his willingness to uh, to put himself through this torture here. <laughs> yeah, and Eddie, this this stout especially is a is a strong beer. All of us are yeah, saying we, all, we could we drink a part it. of it, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Mm. we th- we thought the others. Uh, you know, uh, over-carbonated. The APA, I thought, was showing oxidation. The brown is showing some phenols. Um, uh, the, the, yeah, the stout we all, we all really liked. Um, and I'll tell you if, you, if you like your, your, your uh, women's stout like you like your beers, Scott. Mill, <laughs> I do. <laughs> then, then you might want to check out uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, our fine sponsor. They they have uh, all sorts of categories in their DVDs. And oh, sure. I wonder if uh, Eddie here. Eddie is uh, you know he's a regular listener. Can you can you do the categories, Eddie? You know at, at least half as fast as Jamil. Oh, let's see. We got amateur anal, uh, big boobs or big breast. Uh, some stuff I never heard of before, so that's hard for me to come across. But I'll tell you, my personal favorite has got to be the point of view. So POV interactive if just, POV. If if they could offer. The, where you could combine the categories, so you could have, like, say, big oh, you can you point can. of view. I mean, that, oh, yeah. oh, well, then they. Right, you well, then there's nothing else to want. Eddie is a man want after no my more. own heart here. Absolute big boobs point of view. Good man, Eddie. Yeah, I could hang. You and I could hang, baby. There you go. That and some stout, and <laughs> that, that's and, called and, fetish. And you're good to go. Yeah. Yes, Scott and Eddie together. That is that is fetish. Uh, well, I'll tell you. You go for uh, for a limited time only. You go over to AdamandEve.com. Use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L. And what you do is you buy one item, you're going to get that for 50% off. Just about any one item they sell, 50% off, and their pricing is actually quite good to start with. For that one item at 50% off, that's all you're paying for. Then you're going to get free shipping. You're going to get a free uh, extra uh, gift that is so central, I can't mention what it is. And then you're going to get three free adult DVDs. And you, it's not just, you know, bottom-of-the-bin junk that they want to get rid of. You get to choose from categories. You choose from genres such as anal amateur, big breast, big butt, bisexual, chunky, co-eds, fetish, gay, interactive, POV, lesbian, milfs, etc. And uh, all at adamandeve.com. You can even shop from your mobile phone. So, so check them out. Adamandeve.com. One item, 50% off. Free shipping. Free extra gift. Free three DVDs. All you got to do is use the offer code Jamel. J-A-M-I-L. At AdamandEve.com. Let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we will let Eddie know what the adjustments are to his process. And uh, all will be well in Whoville right after this. In a world where everything has been lost. What happened to the city? It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. Uh, I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to Arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. (gasps) Oh, it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And then- From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you massive selection and superior customer service comes the home brewer. I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. 
Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the Home Brewed Chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your home brew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, Cretans. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read Read your way to better homebrew. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13th, 2014. Every Dance Star Yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit DanStarYeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter. So get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at DanStarYeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and enter to win. The biggest innovation in brewer's yeast in 125 years is here. Yeast that has never been exposed to the environment. See it for yourself at NHC in Grand Rapids. Pure yeast White Labs. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact grain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. To the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're we're working with uh, Eddie on uh, his uh, attenuation issue, and, and I would say we we all think we've narrowed it down to the repitching. Um, you know, if you're if you're harvesting your your yeast after you know uh, ten to twelve days in the beer, and then it sits for another two weeks, you know, um, in water, uh, in, in water, usually you know repitching. You want to repitch uh, as soon as possible. Oh, I always limited myself generally to about a week. I considered a week the maximum. Um, at Heretic, we won't even. Wait a week. It's either we repitch it then, or we don't repitch it at all. Um. So, uh, you know, we think that that's part of it. It might also be the selection process where there may be some of the more attenuative yeasts are still in the beer in suspension, and you're harvesting off, uh, you know, the uh, less attenuative, more flocculative yeasts, and you're repitching those, and so you're encouraging that behavior from the yeast. You're, you're eliminating the ones that attenuate more. 
that's the problem with uh, you know harvesting early. It didn't sound like you're harvesting early from your process, but um, you know that might be something to look at. Um, yeah, I usually crash it as well. I didn't mention that. Right, right. Uh, well, crashing actually helps the yeast as far as um, you know their glycogen reserves, but that's usually like right after they're done, kind of building, and then you you crash them. You wait a day and then crash them, and it actually can help them build up their their reserves. Um, uh, but I, th- I think the solution for you is um, to. Uh, you know, and also, are you are you crashing your beer first and then harvesting, or you're you're harvesting at temp, at fermentation temp, and then crashing? No, I I crash it, uh, then I rack it off, and then I add my boiled okay. and cold water and and shake okay. it up and let it settle in. Well, that should be fine. I would continue to do that because that should chase out some of the less attenuative yeast, or the more attenuative yeast. Um, and then uh, you know. Uh, on brew day, uh, you know, when I was doing this, I would harvest the yeast with the beer, and I would just store it with the beer. Um, you know, and, and then on, you know, prior to brew day, I would rinse it with the sterile water, uh, separate out, I'd, I'd decant off the little bit of, you know, all the 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 the. Um, the yeast uh, husks essentially off the top. It's a little bit of you know weird liquid off the top, and then you get the creamy yeast, and I transfer that to another container, and then I leave all the black little bits and dead cells and chunks on the bottom, right? And then from that, I would um, I do it maybe the day before, and then the day of brewing, I I would add a uh, a bit of wort uh, to that to that yeast and let that get started up before, um, you know, brew day. And then uh, what you're pitching in is a nice, you know, active culture. It's all good yeast. It's all healthy. It's, it's reproducing. It's, it's up in suspension and then pitching that. And that way you're leaving behind any, any bad yeast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you may have been pitching tired yeast to mm-hmm. the beers. Um, and, you know, two minutes of oxygen for the five gallons is probably more than adequate. Um, right. Well, you're saying, t- and then you said ten gallons at one point. So I'm not sure if you're doing two minutes for ten or two minutes for five. I do ten gallon batches and six gallon carboys. So it's it's two minutes per carboy. All right. I mean, I I always did like you know a minute minute and a half and uh, at you know. Uh, I can't remember if it was a half liter or a liter per minute, and that always that always worked fairly well. I mean, you should be able to. I know you don't have a way of measuring it, but uh, yeah, you're you're probably okay. Um, you know, at that rate. Well, I guess what I was getting at was if you know you're oxygenating like that, and we're still seem to be getting some under attenuation, you know, coming out of the uh, the fermenter going in the carboy, then that mm-hmm. that. Supports the tired yeast uh, mm-hmm. hypothesis mm-hmm. or surmise. Surmise. So, d- do also your your forced ferment tests, you know, to see where it, the maximum attenuation is. Okay. What What do you guys think about having him? Um, he's saying he's kegging all his beers, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're quite different here out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. And you know if he's entering competitions and stuff, it's obviously going to be being tasted by the judges out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it would behoove him to bottle some of his batches so he can taste it himself in, in both forms. Sure. I mean that that could have been one of the things you you could do. Um, you know, uh, package some up and you know let it sit warm and and see, but. Um, I think the forced ferment test should tell you that as well. I mean, you could also, you know, just pull a portion off um, after the beer's, you know, in the kegs, run some off into a container, let it sit warm, shake it up, and that should give you the same kind of result uh, versus bottling. And you could see if that, uh, if it attenuates more. Now, if you take it out and put it in a, another container and you, you warm it up, you know, 85 degrees, and you keep it warm and, and shake it, and then take a another uh, 
gravity reading. If it's gone down, then it wasn't fully attenuated before. Unless there's like bacteria or something. Right. Have we all helped right. you at all, Eddie? You know, I've got some things that I can work on. The force Furman test is going to tell me if I'm getting to where I should be or not. Right. Uh, so that'll, that'll answer some questions there and then uh, tweaking my process a little bit. The, the one thing I'm not sure about with what you discussed about, um, you know, brew day, taking, taking some wort and, and adding it to, to my mm-hmm. decanted half gallon. Uh, well, I'm using algae bottles now. Um, so would I wait till the next day to pitch that because I don't have work just lying around, or are you just saying uh, make a starter? Yeah, I, you know, essentially make a starter. What I would do, uh, what I've done in the past is I would can work so it's sterile, and I have it ready all the time, and then you know I'd open it up, pour it in, and and then it's you know up and running by the time you know twelve hours later, uh, you know it's rocking and rolling, it's 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 good, ready to go. I considered that. I was wondering, do you know if the, uh, can you hot water bath can that? Is the pH low enough, or do mm-hmm. I need to Techni- Technically, it? no. It has to be pressure okay. cooked, because it is a, okay. uh, it's not a low enough uh, pH um, okay. product. But, uh, you know, people, they boil it, and then they just pour it into jars and then seal it up that way. Um, you know, technically... Uh, you know, that's not going to kill off spore-forming organisms, uh, you know, like botulism and things like that. Yeah, that's the one I worry about. Yeah. I mean, I did too. And But, you know, the people in Australia are going, no, 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 botulism's not an issue. You know, they're going on and on. I'm like, well, yeah. You know, and, and they actually had a whole bunch of uh, reasoning as to why it wasn't something to worry about. And I had to agree with the argument however i told them it's like look i can't go on the air and tell people oh don't worry about botulism <laughs> because if somebody dies then like scott yeah. would be out of out of uh, home you know he, he'd be well, in real trouble a, with the odds you don't need to worry about it, but when you consider the stakes i don't know that i want to yeah exactly regardless exactly yeah you and i seem uh, very similar in a lot of ways but uh, you know, I, I think you know everything else you've described. I think your uh, your process is seems sound, and uh, you are uh, you know looking at the right things. And the only thing I would uh, shame you on is uh, you know not taking care of your beer after the fact uh, and just slapping it in bottles. Um, <laughs> well, most most of my beers drank drinking pints out of the kegerator. Uh huh. So. Uh huh. Right. But, uh, so do you use dirty glasses when you do that? <laughs> huh? Huh? I guess that all depends on what your standard is. But Flawless. They're 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 beer clean. They're beer clean glasses. Uh-huh. They're not they're okay. not sterile or sanitary, but they're they're beer clean. Like jelly jars, a little bit of peanut butter left in them. Something don't, like that. Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, anything further to add, John? Uh, no, I think covered it well. You know, guys, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, thanks thanks a bunch for, for pointing me in the right direction. Well, and, you know, let us know how things go, and, and thank you very much for, you know, going through the expense and the time and the trouble to send us the beers, to send us all the, you know, the, the brew sheets, and mm-hmm. to you know, take your time to to talk with us. Uh, you know, really, really appreciate that. And, and yeah, this to, was a know, good show. And to put yourself on display in front of everybody else uh, as well, because I'm sure you know people are going, "Well, hell, I I knew that uh, Eddie shouldn't be doing that." You know, I'm sure you know. But uh, I think I mean, people listen to this show. <laughs> well, no, nah, please. <laughs> it's just the the three of us here. But you probably you probably helped a lot of people, Eddie. I mean, you know, if you have a question, that means lots of other people do too, right? Somebody else is wondering about this, or you know, a few hundred other people are wondering about this as well. So, good show. I think uh, I think overall uh, uh, an enjoyable way to spend an hour. So, thank you, Eddie. And uh, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. You got it. We'll catch you later. And thank you to our fine sponsors. Thank you to uh, Blickman Engineering. Check them out. BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman with two N's. 
uh, innovating your brew day. Uh, so go to their website, check them out. If you like to support this show, you like to support uh, AHA, uh, go to the Brewing Network site, brewingnetwork.com. Uh, find that AHA logo, click on that. You can sign up for a membership, and the Brewing Network gets a small slice. It helps support the program, and you support a great organization. Uh, there's also lots of fun things there in the store, too. Hats, hoodies, glassware, uh, books, all sorts of stuff that uh, when you buy that stuff, any profit goes directly to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and actually helps pay for the shows so you don't have to. Um, other than your internet connection, I guess. But, hey, <laughs> you need that for porn anyway, so this is really just in between your spanking material. So, there you go. I think uh, another fine show. If you're listening live, stay tuned. We're going to uh, do some live Q&A questions. You can dial in 888-401-VEER. Till then, Bruce Strong, everybody. Bruce Strong. <laughs>